Hello, and welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about Among Us. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? Well, on this podcast, we like to talk about games. Now, uh, I know why you've called this meeting. It's because you saw me standing over the body. I was just about to report it, Mango. All right, Uh, I think... You're the imposter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, for those of you at home that uh, that don't know, Among Us is a um, it's a it's a game that has rise to prominence recently, even though it's a couple of years old. It is essentially a game that that looks to emulate uh, the classic kind of like group social games, like uh, uh, Mafia or Werewolf, um, or maybe Secret Hitler is a popular modern variant um, in that you play as a group of crew members on a space station. Um, among several environments, and uh, you have to complete tasks, except there are uh, a varying number of imposters among you um, that try and kill the entire crew. Um, uh, And we've been playing a bit of it recently, Uh, you know, with the Twitch boom came us all getting it's like five bucks on Steam, we've been playing it a bunch. Um, And I was, you know, I have a pretty good time with it, but with this kind of last set of games that we've played, I have found myself... I'm dissatisfied in some ways that I think I can pinpoint in an interesting way. Um, but, yeah, uh, I'm really interested about this because I hear a lot of people talking about Among Us, right? But people only ever talk about it in the kind of like Twitch, YouTube sort of context, right? Where it comes down to – or like memes and stuff like that, right? I have yet to see anyone actually like go deep on like the game's kind of mechanics or what they think makes it work or doesn't work um, on, on that sort of, like, mechanical level. Um, I think one of the things that makes Among Us so popular is – and it has nothing to do with mechanics, right? Like, that it that these kinds of social deception games are just, like, fun in a big group and with the – like the personality driven kind of nature of a streamer, right? Where you're tuning in for, you know, a lot of the times a game, right? But also like the streamer's personality. Um, a social deception game is perfect for that kind of thing. So I do actually think that this is a game that has risen to prominence based off of something that's entirely separate of its mechanics. Um, so yeah, which is why I'm interested. Uh, so with, where, where do you, where do you want to start? What's your, what's your thesis here? Uh, so, um, so, so part of the big thing I think here is that the kind of the, the thing that I think will ultimately hurt among us is staying power is kind of that the core loop is, um, has big flaws in it, right? Like, um, and the, the big flaw there is kind of what happens when you die early, right? Um, and kind of just along that, like the, 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 the core kind of compo- compellingness of the actual mini games, the tasks aren't very much there. Um, and I think that this, like, I, I, the, the thing that kind of brought this up is, as I was thinking about it, is um, yesterday when we were playing, I died early a lot, like three or four <laughs> games in a row. And, you know, like whether I deserved it or not, right? Like he either got murdered early or I, uh, or I, or I, I think I got caught once early. It's essentially the the, uh, the those games. I died. Um, I ran around and I did my task as a ghost, which is very much not not a you know not really a, that much of a fun thing to do. Um, and then I just kind of waited there and I you know there's nothing to do. You you can't talk. You can't um, you can't you know strategize. You can't figure out what's uh, or you, you you can't contribute to the the actual fun part of the game, which is the social stuff in in mm. in, in any way. Um, 
Uh, the best you can do is listen and get frustrated, essentially. Um, uh, I mean, at, at a certain point, like, I, there is a spectator piece of it, right? Like, sometimes I can get kind of wrapped up in the, in the drama. But I definitely understand the frustration because you are still on a team, right? Um, and even if you are dead, you still win if your crewmates pull it out and you still lose if they don't. Uh, <laughs> you know, and so that does, that does definitely suck. Yeah, so I, I actually think it's better to be a dead imposter because a dead imposter can can activate the sabotage stuff, which I think is yeah um, at least like a a thing that is that that has some interactivity to it. And it's, it it's, it's, can be kind of fun, um, especially if you're thinking about it. But um, I was thinking about the comparison to say like the the real world games, right? The IRL games, and um, the big differences are like. Um, one Secret Hitler, which is kind of the 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 kind of most mainstream variant, I think, or maybe mainstream is the wrong word, but it's it's the it's the biggest commercial variant, is what I'll call it. Um, whereas like Mafia and Werewolf are kind of like social games that you play without anything. You can buy Secret Hitler in a box um, and play it. And what Secret Hitler does uh, does is it doesn't really eliminate anybody until much later in the cycle. Um, so you're very close to the end of the game when, when things get eliminated. The other thing is is that there's no kind of blank time in between, right? Like, it's always, like, like the compelling parts of the social deception games are the social deception. And uh, as a spectator, right, like, maybe I could I could buy getting, um, getting drawn into it if it was just all talking all the time. But there's, like, these long stretches of doing the station tasks which are not fun to do while you're wait while wait, you're wait, wait 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 but i think that that that's a huge piece of the game oh right? sure no absolutely like, you know and and it, and it involves a lot of tactics and strategy like for instance on my kill of you right you are on the right side of weapons or are you are on the right side coming down from weapons and navigation i it was just a complete drive-by but i immediately hopped did I hop into a vent? I might yeah, have just walked. But I walked into the cafeteria to give myself an alibi, right? Because I got seen in storage, then I got seen in cafeteria, then your body got called, right? And I had kind of created a fiction for myself by my movements throughout the map, whereas where people would look and they would say like, oh, yeah, I saw a buddy in storage, then we saw him in cafeteria. Obviously, he went from storage to cafeteria and not in this big scenic loop that included murdering you know like that that included murdering mango kind of thing um the same sort of thing actually was supposed to happen in a follow-up game there, like there's a game where immediately afterwards i killed i think i killed nick and i was under the impression like i was like oh i'll kill nick here and then i'll call oxygen which is on the all the way on the other side of the ship and i'll go find one of them at oxygen 20 seconds from now and i'll do the final kill but they just all happen to be in electrical together so i got caught for that but like those the kinds of like tactical decisions are only possible on the map side of the game right oh. um in the same way that like me sticking around with someone me trying to sus who is and is not an imposter um you know, are also, like, pretty core pieces as a crewmate to the game. So I absolutely agree with you. I, I, I think you are on a fundamental level correct about why it's compelling um, uh, or, or what, what makes kind of Among Us special. I'm just highlighting how, how the problem of the dead player gets solved in other games in the genre, if that makes sense. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, in a certain sense, I sort of feel like Among Us has to have dead players. Yeah. Because oh. you have to be able to get those kills, and someone is always going to have to die first. And that's kind of like, in a certain sense, the price. 
But then the game also doesn't really give, like, in a, in a version of things where dead crewmates had better ability to influence, not just doing their tasks, but doing, I don't know, any, like, other things. Uh, in the same way that, like, sabotage has its value over the course of a game, you run out of tasks eventually. Yeah. Um, and, and the tasks are pretty clearly busy work, right? Like, you, you don't win games of of Among Us by being good at tasks. They're just kind of like a thing that forces the the uh, the action forward. Um uh, honestly, I've, I've got some deeper thoughts about that too. Um, like, so, so I was, I was trying to think of a way to solve this in a way that you know is is kind of acceptable. Um, and uh, the best one I could come up with is if you die, you get like ejected from the game, and you can re-enter a different game in kind of like battle royale style. But like, and you know, and you kind of like just live with the consequences for, uh, um, or not ejected, but like you can leave the game the same way that you can in a battle royale game. You can either spectate or leave, and most of the time, people leave. Um, uh, it's been like, kind of like following that train of thought down, right? Like, you know, oh, why don't people, or why do people spectate in battle royale games? Um, and if their, their teammates are up, it's cause they can talk to them. They can maybe do spotting things, right? Like, and I, I just don't know if there's a good way to, to figure out how to like make the post-death gameplay even a little bit compelling if you want it to stay around. Um, and I think, I think that that works well enough because the only reason you're staying around is if you're playing with a group of friends. And if you're playing with a group of friends, um, then there's kind of like a greater social reason to stick around. And I think that that's fine. I think that works as it were. Um, so we played in a social setting, right? With a group of, with a group of friends. Um, were you playing are in like random match made games when you were kind of running into this feeling? No, it was, it was while we were playing and I, I, and, and I can pinpoint why I think I fell out of the game, like felt felt like not so happy playing the game is because after I died, instead of paying attention to the game, I either browsed my phone or I went and argued with somebody on Facebook. Because um, I don't know if you followed our Facebook chats, but there was an argument happening while we were playing. Um, did you uh, did you continue uh, like did you finish your tasks or did you? Ooh, just yeah, straight. I I I, I went. And, well, I was so. While we were while people were discussing things, I was on my phone or arguing, and then which would be the thing to pay attention to, right? And then, um, and then while uh, while while you know the game was up, I was doing the tasks. But like I said, I, I don't think the tasks are super compelling. Um, yeah, I was trying to think like most of the time what I spent doing, even honestly when I sh- should have been doing tasks, um, was talking to other dead people. Uh, I would I, I would blow up the dead people chat pretty commonly to uh, I don't know just like talk to people about what what was happening yeah. and what are like you know like spectating the game what are good plays what are bad plays that kind of thing like there was one game where I couldn't believe Phelanor got away with a lie because he told an incredibly bald faced lie that I'm I was sure Nick and Josh had evidence that he was like not telling the truth but just like. Valenor said his thing and just everyone moved on or whatever. And I was just like, holy fuck. That was like a game losing play, but he squeaked it out because they weren't paying attention to what he just said. Um, kind of thing. Um, yeah. And I feel like that stuff is like interesting, but I don't know. Yeah. I I think that maybe that's, that's the the right answer, right? Like that it can work well enough. Um, although I like, so my, my essential, the, the reason this kind of popped into my head is like, I like, while I think that it can survive with a friend, like in a friend group setting, right? Like this is also what happens kind of in in the, in the social games, right? Like you go, you get a drink, but you still stick around and you watch the game happen. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, part of it too, so part of it too, I think, is that, um, again, Secret Hitler is the game I've played the most with, is there's still 
um, are still like intrigued to be had, right? Like when you get killed in Among Us, you know who killed you, right? So you you got like the, there's no like the mystery still there. Whereas like if you didn't, you like and this is true for like a normal spectator on like a stream, right? You can see like you could still play the game of well who's the imposter like who do i think the imposter is and i think yeah. that's entertaining in its own right it's, it's kind of like watching a whodunit movie right um um but uh you're kind of robbed of that in the uh in, in kind of like the single player random lobby experience for the most part and i i actually think that that's why um and that, that's rather i think that's the the kind of experience that i felt myself having was because I wasn't engaging on with like kind of like the I'm playing with my my friends type aspect of it. Um that it was Do you think the game is currently biased towards crewmates? Um like uh, so so to to back up a second one thought I have here is uh the question of if the the experience of being dead as a crewmate sucks, right? Why don't you give crewmates more lifetime you know, like we talked about, the, the sabotage is always useful, right? Whereas um, tasks are not. But, like, maybe there's a version of things where crew members can can complete, like, dead crew members can complete their allies' tasks or something. So it puts the, the imposters on more of a clock. Um, or, you know, like, dead crew members can solve sabotages, right? So you don't have to be alive to fix lights or to do seismic or whatever else. Um yeah. So, so, and so I, I wonder, I wonder what your thoughts would be on those kinds of solutions. So that's that's interesting, um, because so so another part of this is, you know, I think that playing like that the task meter isn't actually like a real control. Like I I think played one game where the task bar was close to being finished, and that was like a weird game where like there it's like some you know. Where like the people were out of uh, people were out of button presses and people were trying to figure out how to uh, how to uh, how to end the game because they basically knew who it was right like um, and so I think that the the task bar like feels kind of meaningless and so maybe maybe the settings we're playing on just doesn't like put enough pressure on the imposters and maybe that that's the answer um, and and so like like I said I, I think I think the 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 first person to die as a crewmate is always going to kind of have the shit end of the stick, right? Like, yeah. Um, and I don't know, and I don't know how exactly to solve them. And honestly, it's less of a problem when, um, when the games are smaller, but the game is also kind of at its best when the games are bigger and everything's being, um, uh, being trimmed, or rather, the game's at its best for like the surviving players when the when you know, um, everything's kind of at its apex. Or whenever when there's a ton of players, rather, and uh, you know there's there's tension building as as people people go down, um, but uh, I don't I don't know how like the, part of the problem is like I couldn't figure out a good way to solve this other than you know like playing a battle royale mode, um, and I was wondering if 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 you potentially had any thoughts or if we could yeah I, those are those are my first two thoughts like maybe we live in a world where crewmates are disempowered enough that you can give them essentially a buff right. Um, by allowing dead crewmates to complete their allies' tasks um, or to deactivate sabotages um, in such a way that keeps them, like, always relevant, right? 
uh, rather than just kind of like sticking around or something kind of along those lines. Um, I've also thought about maybe the opposite of a sabotage being kind of uh, being kind of an option, right? Um, this is something that I feel like admin or logs or um, vitals uh, sort of like play out on the on the variety of different maps, right? Like these are locations that a living player could go to in game to kind of access information that would help them identify, you know, like I go to vitals, I see that somebody is dead and I go next door and I, and I press the button. Well, if you have an ability, like let's say as a ghost, I can, you know, as a ghost, I can get on cams, I can get on vitals, and I can send some kind of alert to the whole crew that something happened, right? Which doesn't signal anything materially, right? But in the same way that, like, you have to deal with a sabotage in order to move on, this is sort of an alert that's like, hey, check vitals, or go check cameras, or whatever. Maybe you'll find a body, maybe you'll get whatever, um, some kind of evidence that that will be useful. So from the grave, I might be able to help my team win by helping them identify the imposters. Yeah, no, I definitely think something like that is 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 the way to go. Now that you say it, I just don't know what that is that doesn't like tip the favor too hard in favor of the the you know the crew. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it'd have to be like relatively minor, but still. But still, like, enough of a thing to, like... Yeah, like, maybe, like, forcing an imposter out of a vent or, you know, um... I don't know, I'm trying to think. Forcing, forcing an imposter out of a vent is, like, a good one. Like, if you can... Because it's a rare thing, right? Like, most imposters don't spend a lot of time in vents. Your kill cooldown doesn't go in vents or whatever. So you only use it, like, briefly. But, like, there are some experiences where I've had where I sit on vents, like, in vents, because people would see me if I de-vent and I want to be in that location or something like that. And so a version of things where I'm the ghost and I'm hovering that guy and I can pop him out of the vent and, it, and everyone in the room sees it, and it's like, oh, here we go. That's rare enough, but also satisfying enough that it might be, like, enough kind of thing. So maybe instead of forcing a guy out of the vent, because that's kind of, like, I, I think that's maybe a little too, like, too directly influential. Like, locking down vent transport, right? Like, you basically, basically you oh, get like an Oh, like locking event. doors? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you, you get an event, and the, uh, and the, uh, the imposter can't jump in it, or... But, like, they know that you're in it, so they, 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 they're forced to, like, act around that. Or, like, you know, mm -hmm. like, and the thing that, that popped into my head for this is, you know, let's say you kill someone in electrical, um, and then the ghost keeps, like, and you pop in the vent. The ghost makes it so you can't teleport to a different vent, so you have to deal with being in that vent for the time being, at least. Or something like that. Like, yeah. that might be, a, uh, might be a way to do it. And something that's, like, super active like that, I think, is enough to kind of, like, keep the person in the game. Um, mm -hmm. right? Like, I don't, I wouldn't want it to be, like, the sabotage level thing, because, like, if you can just click a button and the vent's locked, then that's just kind of, like, you know, basically, you're probably just sitting there, like, locking all the vents No, all but, the time. like, you can go, you can hover over the vent as a ghost, yeah. right? You watch an imposter go in, and then you press the button, and they are locked in that vent for five seconds, ten seconds, uh, or something like that. Yeah. Um, or you see an imposter who's running towards the vent that you're sitting on, you can lock it down before they have access, they get caught on the body kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, okay, that's interesting. Um, what about in other like what do you are there other gameplay like problems that you have? Do you think that there's like clever stuff going on that you want to talk about? So I I do think that the kind of the, the base simplicity of the game is is, is pretty it's pretty good, right? Like um, I do like um, I do think that needs 
that like basically the visual tasks need to be permanently out of the game. I think it gives out too much information. Um, Interesting. Like I like the moment like you know like people like there there are still tasks even with visual tasks off that you can confirm that people are are an imposter. And I think that that's bad for the for the game, right? Because that's like a totally okay. random element that like um, lets you hard confirm people. And uh, I think that that's ultimately bad for the health of the game. I think the game needs to have, like, maximum unassuredness, right? Like, that you're not quite sure if somebody's actually being uh, – doing a thing or not. Um, sure. Okay. Um, or the other way to do that is to let the imposter kind of, like – like, let everybody activate every terminal and, like, let it go through the motions even if you're um, not doing it um, with – I don't know. Is it a problem? Is it a problem if an imposter stands on a like, on the, on the medical scan, uh, forever and doesn't and doesn't let anybody else use it? Um, if it's that's a completable task, I feel like that. I've actually thought costly. about the imposter completing fake tasks, decreasing the task bar, and how that would play. Because hmm. I kind of actually like that interaction, right? One where you can win as an imposter by running around and killing everyone, right? And you are supposed to win that way, right? Um, but that the, that you sort of have counterplay when it comes to the task bar, and if you go and you specifically botch tasks, like on your fake task list, um, you can kind of create, you know what I mean? Like, imagine a world where you go to a place and you do the thing, right? Then I go to the place as the imposter and I undo your thing. The task bar goes down, your task uncompletes, and either you or someone else has to like go back and do it. I think that there, there'd be a lot of play, counterplay involved in that kind of thing. Like, can you lure someone over there? Can you take, can you, you know, match, oh, hey, interesting, my, you know, whatever, medbay task went away, which means the imposter must have been around medbay at this time or something kind of along those lines. Uh, I think that kind of stuff would be, would be super interesting for the game. I think I think so too. I think you might want to like fuzz it a little bit, right? Like, um, essentially, you you could you'd have to like like give at least like a second or so of delay so that like or like the round at the end of the round it'll populate. Uh, end of the round might be might be a little bit long, but I I, I think you I think you want to make it tough so that I, I think essentially. The I think you want to fudge all of it, right? Because like I, I think the idea like this goes along with my thesis that you don't want it to be super revealed what's happening. That like you know kind of like he completed a task and the bar went up type of deal. Um, I think is a piece of information that is not like I think it's okay right now because it's super hard to tie any specific action to any particular bar movement. Um, but I think that that information being immediate is ultimately not great on kind of a grander scale, right? Like, I, I think you want ultimate uncertainty as to whether or not anything anybody's doing is is real or not. That way, it's it's uh, like because I think that that's like I think you want as much of the kind of argument argumentation to happen in the um in the in like the discussion room and not kind of um and not not be super verifiable by by like quote-unquote facts right like i think i think if you are good enough at deceiving you should be able to win without being able to be contradicted by hard things happening if that makes sense do you just, gotcha. do, do, you, do you agree with that assessment um i think that's so my thing i guess is uh is less about the visual tasks um 
I think the visual tasks in a weird way are a little bit fine uh, because it just like paints such a huge fucking target on your back. Every time I've ever like done a med bay scan or like trash shoot or something like that, um, it just you get killed because once you get outed as definitely not the imposter, you are target number one for the imposter. Okay, that makes sense. Um, but but the thing that I always think the thing that I think always should be off is confirm ejects. I think that if the game revolves around, you know confirming this person was an imposter was not an imposter um it gets pretty dicey pretty quickly because like all of the other gameplay sort of falls away in the face of that information a lot of the time right like if somebody makes it it just comes down to who made the hard accuse right if the person is an imposter that person is cleared if the person is not an imposter then the accuser is the imposter who gets voted out next time even if you know like they they fucked it up and they're just like third impostering from the crew or whatever else um i feel like uh, yeah i feel like the thing i would do is put confirm eject off on default for like every you know like for every okay i also think that that. there are uh i that i wish there were more um I sometimes wish that the cool the cooldowns didn't inter- interact in certain ways. Like for instance, I really hate the we narrowed it down, but we can't vote for whatever reason, and now we just get get sabotage killed, right? Or like you know you do the thing where you fifty fifty at at three people or whatever, um, and you whiff on the fifty fifty. It's okay. So I'm sorry. I'm not explaining this well. There's four people left. You know that one of two people are the imposter. It's a 50-50. So you vote one off and the game doesn't end. And you're like, oh, well, obviously the other person is the imposter, right? Well, all that person does is call a sabotage. um, And it will take long enough that you won't be able to do another emergency button before the kill cooldown is up and the imposter can kill another person and win, right? Like, I don't like that kind of interaction. Um, yeah, but I, I feel like the solution there, though, is just, like, I feel like the imposter has done his job right then, right? Like, like maybe the solution there is just give the win to the imposter. I, I'm, I'm not super... Like, oh, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I, I guess maybe it is, like, skilled play or whatever. I don't know. It just feels like... Um, it feels sort of like an exploit feels, in a way. Like, you're just riding this quirk of the game mechanics where right. you can't call a, you can't call an emergency meeting during a crisis right but um you need to build up a certain amount of time for your kill to, to come off cooldown uh and that's just like the way it goes i don't know yeah no it, it's I, I think that's a tough problem to solve because it's it's essentially i i think some of the some of the tension there, I think it's good tension is like, you know, did, you know, if that 50, 50 is right or wrong. Right. Like I think, I think that that's like a fine level of chance essentially. Right. Like, yeah. Um, um, it, it seems to me the problem there is that like, there's this mechanic thing that then needs to be executed on in order for it to, to be validated, I guess. Um, yeah. which I also feel like some of the some of the sabotages are better than than others. I like the sabotages on the spaceship because they are far apart from one another and calling reactor versus calling O2 is about you know it's it's like what I laid out earlier. If I kill you in weapons and then call reactor, people go to reactor, right? Nobody goes and checks weapons. Um if I kill someone in reactor or admin or or security or whatever, um and then call O2, they go to that that side of the ship. And you have a, a greater ability to hide bodies. Um which I think that might be the most core thing to the game that I like wish I could do better, right? Is like hide hide bodies. Um 
And, uh, but like, it just feels like lights is the most beneficial sabotage in most scenarios, right? Like, so I've been watching a lot of, you know, like Disguised Toast and the offline TV guys play. Um, the offline TV meta is almost always lights is the sabotage you call. I very rarely see reactor, seismic, or O2 or any of those. Um, it's mostly just lights because you can kill people in the dark, right? Um, and I think one of the most powerful things that lights does is it removes people's ability to grant one another an alibi, right? If we're all in a big clump and then lights goes out and then somebody dies within my normal sight range, right? Well, it's so much harder for, to clear people for that kill. And sometimes, and I have done this before where I will call lights, right? And then use the disinformation provided by lights as the imposter to my advantage, right? Uh, kind of like we did in that one game where I vented, but lights were out and Nick, Josh, and X were all in the room, but none of them came to that vent and saw me there. So I was able to survive basically, um, just by sort of hiding in the darkness. And I do so, I, I kind of feel like lights is just like the most important and the most powerful of the different sabotages. What do you think? Yeah, so that's that's super interesting. I think I think thinking about it that that makes sense. Um, the the value of of uh, reactor and oxygen is that it forces people to move, and you can also get a win off of it, right? Like, I think we've yeah. we've had some pretty cheeky wins off of like you know hard hard uh, reactor or oxygen countdowns, um, which I think is fun. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I I think I think I agree with you. I think. Hmm. I don't. I don't know. You think it's unbalanced? I guess I don't know. It's tough. One of the yeah. weird things about oxygen and reactor that I actually do sort of like um, is that they they serve two different functions. Reactor needs two people in the same room, right? But across yeah. the room from one another. Whereas oxygen needs two people in two different rooms. Comms also does this on the one on the sky map. Uh, there's I also like comms on the uh, on the on the ice map. Um, yeah, I don't like that comms, though. That comms seems bad to me. Um, the good comms is the one where you have to do the two codes at the same time, one in the desk and then one out in, okay. the, in, the, other, in the other room. Um, I think we got a loss there once because, like, coordinating with your other crewmates across, especially when you're down to, like, five and it's, like, four and one or, like, th you're, it's down to four and you're, like, three and one. It's very easy to split up the group. With those ones, and I think that those have a, a real use as an imposter, even if it is sort of like a niche use. Um, but yeah, I guess I don't know. I just feel like comms, or I feel like lights is is so powerful. I think another piece about lights though is that crewmate vision tends to get lowered by fifty percent um, in most games that I see uh, at that level, and also that we were kind of like playing. Um, and lights is a lot less punishing when you're at one x crew vision. Yeah, no, I, I so I was I saw that. I think maybe the 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 answer here is like maybe crew vision needs to be like have a separate slider for what what lights does to you. Um because yeah. you're right. Yeah, li lights on half crew vision is is half of, you know, or rather it's the 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 lights vision is also half and that's pretty brutal. Um so maybe a little bit more vision there is 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 is, is good. Um, something I, I do want to discuss the airlock on the, on the second map. Um, what do you think of that? Cause I, my, my gut is to say that I find it like super annoying and I don't know if I really like it or not. Um, I think there's some unique stuff around it, but I think it's a much better hap 
much better handled on the uh, I'm going to call the the ice map the the thing map because that's clearly what it's supposed to be referencing. Um, uh, what what do you think about those airlock mechanics? I do like the airlocks, um, especially because it's a good way to get people alone. Um, and and I've abused that before, both as the imposter and as the crew and as like a crewmate, um, where you get into an airlock with, you know, like with some of the group or some portion of the group there's actually a vent in the airlock uh on the sky map which i like quite a bit and i've done that a couple of times where i've done an airlock kill and then vented out um pretty pretty successfully i think the real thing that the airlock does is add time moving throughout the map though um and like so for instance the reactor call if if no one is in that reactor side of the map you're immediately adding 10 seconds to the to the timer because people are gonna have to sit and wait to go through the decontamination airlock um which i think is pretty powerful uh and it's one of the things that i like about that map the most it like the way that it kind of like separates itself out along those sorts of lines um like for instance on skeld which is the uh the spaceship kind of all zones of the ship are in play at any one time, right? You can go to storage, you can go to admin, you can go to, you know, comms, weapons, shields, whatever. And there's always, like, stuff to do in each of those sorts of locations. Um, whereas I like a lot that the sky map has sort of dead zones. Like, something that you'll see people do pretty commonly is kill in spawn. Um, because there's not a lot that people do in the spawn room. They typically, they spawn in, they do their spawn tasks, and then they just leave. And if you're an imposter and you are one of the last two people to leave, you can just, you know, snap a neck real quick and no one is going to find that body because people very rarely double back to spawn, which is actually one of the reasons why I like to double back to spawn to try and catch that shit. Um, uh, and so I like that, uh, and so I like that the sky map, and I also think Polis does this as well to a certain extent, Polis being the, the, thing map um it creates areas of the map that are highly used and less used so that as the the imposter you can better hide bodies so i I definitely agree with you about about polis but i i think that the sky map is a little bit too cul-de-sac-y for what i think is ideal um like if there was a way to get to like the biome like or the the like the tree area from the reactor area through like another airlock i think i'd be less aggravated by the airlock on um on or the, by the by sky map but i just think that like it's it, it i think it's a little bit too much in my opinion I, I definitely get what you're saying though um yeah i think i think that you could even like put a couple more tacks behind the door and pull us and have it be even better but I, I do agree with you that kind of like the the hard separation of areas um is is interesting play i i also think i like i like the uh i like i like the, i just kind of like the airlocks on polis better because like they're they're small and there's like kind of it, it's also like for everybody right like it's less certain what's on the other side of anything so like you could mm-hmm. you, you know you could get your kill and you might be exposed right it's like a risky maneuver i think that's super valuable um, yeah i love killing people down there don't use this against me but i think specimen it just gets not used a lot on polis so a lot of the time if i'm the imposter i want to find my way down there and, yeah and no kill. I, I, so I, that that's that's i think part of it too right it's like that that area is kind of a light touch area um but not so light touch that like say like uh like like you said spawn on sky map where it feels kind of oppressive um at least in my in my opinion uh yeah I actually think uh, polis might be my favorite map uh i do like scaled a lot because i also i i find that i have um uh, I find that 
I don't know. I there's just something about about Skeld and the moving throughout the map with the with the sabotages um that makes it really compelling i guess um and i also as the imposter like the vents quite a lot in skelt um because there's like cool vent tricks i feel like i can always pull yeah off. no i, I um, agree um whereas and i also feel this way about polis uh but or i'm sorry i also feel this way about the sky map whatever that one's called but polis i don't like the vents on because it just has those holes and i think that's deliberate actually i think that on polis you specifically have pretty weak vent game um just because the map otherwise is kind of favorable towards imposters. Like, I think the door thing, honestly, on its own, is just, like, very, very good. Because you can create a task for someone uh, anywhere, on, like, anywhere on the map that just, like, adds time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, you mean the locking doors on, on Polis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you can lock the doors on Skeld, obviously. But th those just, like, automatically open in, you know, whatever certain amount of time. You have to physically unlock the doors on Polis. Which means that, like, you know, if I lock the doors in engine and nobody's in engine, they're going to open in five seconds anyway, right? And that was kind of worthless. If I lock the doors on, you know, cams, but I'm in the specimen room, even if no one is around cams, they are still going to have to waste five seconds of their time in order to get in and complete that, you know, like, task or whatever. Uh, yeah. Which I think is pretty powerful. I, I, I absolutely agree. Um, especially with the lights. There's, like, two doors to get into lights and like it can it can get real annoying real fast um on polis uh uh but okay. yeah how, how many games have you had that you played as the imposter uh, i want to say like three or four maybe uh maybe more do you than feel that. like you were do you feel like you were a good imposter do you feel like you were winning i feel like i was like uh an okay imposter not a great imposter okay. What what were like some of the like strategies and tactics that you were that you were employing to try and make like the imposters like work? Yeah, so um, so I try and I so I, I focus mostly on kind of like doing uh, kills, kind of more like my, my strategy is generally be a, like a more rapid killer than you would expect because um, my deception game isn't great, and if you kill people quickly and get away, it's easier to kind of just be like quiet and deal with it. Um, whereas I, I've noticed that you are, are quite, quite good at kind of like selling that you're not the killer. Um, so, uh, for me, at least it feels like the, the right thing to do is just cause havoc and not let anybody catch a breath. And that, that's my most successful strategy. Um, or at least where I feel like I've most been successful. That's also super risky, right? Like that we, we played a game where I killed someone super early and I like, it just immediately got found out. And I think I made it, I feel like I could have like on re-examination i could have solved that problem by like acting slightly differently but i didn't um but uh i think that's like um th that's kind of my my big push um what about you what, what are your what, what are your go-to tactics uh i think my favorite tactic um is the is trying to corral the map like i like i was explaining um one of my things is I feel like I have a trigger finger on kills. Sort of like the, the kill on you, right? I got a kill on you, and then I had... And nobody else was around, and I had time to create my alibi by going to storage, by going to cafeteria, by getting people to see me there, right? Uh, that Like, that felt good, right? Um, but then I've also had situations where it was like my kill on Nick. I saw Nick alone, and I had an opportunity to just snap his neck in a pretty out-of-the-way location, right? Um, and I did it, and then... Right around the fucking corner, you know, womp womp. Everyone sees me on his dead body. What are you gonna do? <laughs> like uh, um, that kind of stuff, you know. That kind of stuff just happens. 
Um, I also think that learning how to split the group is pretty important. Um, I've done this with O2. I've done this with, I had, I had an O2 win that was kind of like this where I was just, you, when you get, when you get to a low number of crewmates, right? Um, you can do the thing where you call the sabotage and then you just camp one of the nodes and you kill whoever shows up and either time will run out or, you know, because people like assume that another person, especially if they see that person go, right? Um, or they will walk into, right, like getting getting killed, especially if you have two people up. I did this with Lou once. I'm not sure in a game that you were in. Uh, I did this with Lou once where it was, I think there were like six or seven people left, right? Um, but we called oxygen and then me and Lou just sat on one of the nodes and two people came in to fix it and we killed both of them. Uh, and O2 just timed out because people saw people go to do it, right? You know, they were yeah, like, oh, yeah. okay, they have it handled. I'm going to sit here kind of thing. And that sort of that sort of stuff is like, is, is is very powerful um i wish i was better at venting i want to be like uh like a hardcore vent killer um x our friend x has done some very good vent kills on me before because uh, like on scaled the, the spaceship there's a vent in the uh cams room so something i like to do is just sit on cams and i'll just like sit on cams the whole round right uh and there was an opportunity once where lights went out and I think this was the play. I think X called lights and then he vented into, he went, he walked into lights, but then he vented from lights into cams, killed me, vented back, and nobody was the wiser, uh, which I think was was like a very clever play. Um, that kind of stuff, I feel like, are is, is the sort of like high level imposter shenanigans. Yeah, no, I, a- absolutely. It, it, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think that the kind of uh, unfortunate thing can be that, like, you know, you can have all, you can have these very high-level shenanigans and the crewmates are dumb anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, or, like, you know, the... Yeah, just I, do, you, do you feel like people hold grudges? That was something that I sort of noticed in the game that we played last night or the other day. Oh, yeah. No, like, the, the, the kind of extra social effects, right? Like, um, you know, like... If somebody accuses you and they're clearly just mistaken, it's very easy to be like, well, they did it, right? Like, I I even caught <laughs> very, very kind of uh, 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 adroitly. So, so friend of the cast, uh, Martin, was the imposter. And uh, other friend of the cast, Lou, was not. And she, But she had accused me. And I, as we were exiting, said, if I die, you know who did it. And then Martin went and killed me. And they voted off Lou. <laughs> right? Like, it, you know, it was, it was a very good, you know, was that, that was me being being frosty um, of being accused and not really knowing what was what. And uh, the, the imposter taking taking advantage of it, uh, which yeah. is, you know, good moves, good moves, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I've definitely had a lot of success with that as uh, as the imposter. Like, one of the things that I thought was going to be the case as the imposter was, like, I thought it was going to be powerful if I direct the conversation, right? That as the imposter, I want to dominate as much of the conversation as I possibly can because I want to slow the conversation down. I want to offer a lot of misinformation um, or worthless information. I'm like filibustering. Um, I want to be latching onto if, if one person like accuses someone, you know, you want to latch onto it and say, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Let's, you know, whatever to try and like vote off an innocent crew person um, or whatever. Um, And I actually think that the most successful strategies that I've seen from the imposters are just to shut the fuck up and let the crewmates be dumbasses. 
<laughs> because a lot of the time, at least it felt like last night, a lot of the time what was happening is like people would report the bodies and then get in these like very petty arguments about whatever, right? Which is like, I saw you do whatever, but I, I'm very sus of this one person for something that like is fair to be sus about. But then that person takes it as like a personal attack and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you accusing me? And it's just like, as the imposter, if you just shut the fuck up and let that stuff play out uh you can actually be pretty successful it feels like um yeah no uh, i i absolutely agree with you but i think there is there has to be an effect of like if you talk a lot and suddenly you stop talking everybody knows it's you right like you gotta play to your you gotta play to what what you are right and obviously oh that's playing, true yeah 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 if you're playing randomly. i got called out for that once because like i played like a lot of the times i play like the detective or whatever um and then one round i was the imposter and i just wasn't talking they were like, buddy's awfully quiet. And that was all the sus they needed to, like, eventually vote me off. I think I got voted off the next round. But yeah. No, that's – that's you, you got to kind of keep it – you got to – and that, that that is, like, the extra social things, right? Like, the game-to-game stuff, yeah. right? Like, this is, like, you know, you know, I don't ever trust this player because he's cold-blooded and he lies really well. And so that doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter – if he was good, you know, what the particulars of this game are, this is, like, what I know, right? Like, this yeah. is, like, this is also, I think, an unfortunate or aspect of these types of games. Is like, if you are, say, annoying in general, um, or, like, you have, you know, you, you get that perception around you sometimes, right? Like, um, it can make the game kind of miserable for you. Um, it matters less than the deception game because you've got a... Um, you've, you've got kind of a motivation to find the right answer, but like, um, the one version of this that always kind of like stuck out at me is, um, uh, one of our say more arrogant friends, um, and when we, we used to play diplomacy, right? Like just like got shot on for an entire game. Right. And like, he did not have a very good time and he very loudly said he would, he would not be playing with us again. And so for the next session of the, and like he was getting like boxed in and he was, he was playing at least so he was not having a good time. Um, for the next session of that same game, we replaced him with a di- with a different friend, um, and he had an easier time of it, mostly because he just kind of wasn't a general like you know he was better liked I think as a person at least in kind of that context, um, yeah. and that that like it can can like gravely affect the game. Like I said, with the deception games, it's less of an issue because people have a, a motivation to um, find like there there is a right answer right like in diplomacy right like. You can gang up on someone at any time. That can always be a right decision. Um, in the deception game, that's sometimes a wrong decision. But I think that also kind of like drives people's like base um, kind of annoyance, right? Like if you are annoyed at somebody uh, for whatever reason, it's easy to be like, "Well, I'm going to suspect that person more, and I'm going to want him to be the be the person that we should kill." So. That happened to me pretty quickly. I had three games in a row where I did really well because I had been watching these like YouTube videos and most of my friends were pretty newbie about it. Um, and so I won two games as an imposter and then the third game I just like immediately like Sherlocked the two imposters, right? Um, and basically the rest of the night I just died first um, if I was a crewmate and then if I was the imposter people would be like, it's late in the round, Buddy's still alive he would be killed if he was the imposter. Let's vote him out kind of thing. And that was true. And that was the worst part. That was true. Like, you know, we had created this meta, which was, you know, like you kill buddy first very quickly. Right. Or you, he gets voted out because he is the, like, he is the imposter. Um, and that was like, 
to be honest, that was not great. I did not have a great time that time. Uh, I, I, in a certain sense, I think I should have played better. Like, I think I can play around that expectation, um, for instance. But typically what I tend to do in a lot of these games is I'll just try and find someone to buddy up with early game. Um, especially if I'm a crewmate where I'll just like run around with that person the whole first round so that we can both vouch for each other. Um, and then that person is my friend and then that person fucking kills me cause they're the imposter like every time. So, you know, <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean that that's that's the way it goes, I guess. Um, hmm. What else is it? I feel like there's there's more to talk about here. So, I know I've obviously made the comparisons to Secret Hitler a bunch. I know you've played Secret Hitler. How do you how do you think it compares? Uh, I do think it compares great, just because the activity on the ground is is very interesting and compelling, right? Uh, so, for instance, like running to the button when you are like when you have some sort of evidence always feels good um, because it creates that chase down, right? I watch you vent, but I can't call a meeting apropos of nothing. I have to run to a location and smash the button before that happens. And the imposter might have time to call a sabotage to prevent that from, you know, like prevent that from taking place. Um, moving around the map, being nearby people. Um, I think that all that stuff is compelling. And it's the same sort of stuff that's compelling. Like diplomacy is actually kind of an interesting example. It's the same sort of stuff that I find compelling about diplomacy. Where you are, right, like you're trying to make these alliances. You're trying to talk to people. And most of the game is in that, right? And that includes putting my cell phone on record in a room and recording your conversation. That includes me trying to sneak around a corner and eavesdrop to see if my allies are really my allies. You know, like all of that kind of stuff I think is, is, is really sort of uh, compelling. And the game does a very good job of like gamifying that. Yeah. Um, I also just like the tasks. I love dying on a task. I feel like that's always like a very, it, you know, it is the, the thing kind of moment, right? Where, you know, you walk, it's, it's, it's a very horror movie moment where you look around and you see that no one's around you, right? And then, like, the camera focuses in on the thing that you're doing and then, like, you die, whatever, because, like, you were so focused on that thing that you didn't, like, react to whatever. Um, I just feel like that's, like, a very core sort of horror experience um, that the game gamifies and systemizes like super well because you're right the tasks are very like banal and mundane but the one thing that every single one of those tasks does is take up like half your fucking screen and like maybe you are good enough to see right on the edge of a screen a flash of color or something kind of along those lines um but uh i don't know yeah i i I love that interaction for sure yeah um hmm no, I, 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 I definitely, I, I definitely agree with you. I, the place I'm, my head immediately one is like, can someone build like a real life version of this at say like Gen Con? Because I think that'd be like super fun, right? Like you're Whoa, running around doing tasks in like a couple different fun. rooms. Yeah. Um, whenever Gen Con happens again. Um, yeah. You could do a mega game with that kind of thing. Like, yeah, I feel like a mega game would be a little bit like like a little bit much for what it is i feel like you'd want like a dedicated area right like you know of like a oh couple. i see what you're saying yeah so it'd be more like true dungeon adventure imagine a true dungeon adventure where you sort of have this maze or whatever but you give everybody an air horn or something and like i come across a body and i blow the air horn and that's what triggers yeah yeah you know a meeting or something kind of along those lines yeah um you would definitely have to figure out a good way for like people dying to, to get out of it but it is what it is yeah um also, like, a good way for the people dying to, like, 
you know, participate. Like, you'd have to solve this participation problem a little bit better, right? Um, also, like, kind of, like, you can't have invisible people. So, like, um, you have to figure out a way to deal with that, right? Because you just can't... Like, <laughs> And the ghost flies around near its killer all the time. Um, you know, I, I think I think there's a way to solve it, but that I think that'd be an interesting design problem. Um, maybe maybe that's the thing to sit down and trying to figure out. Do, do you have any Do you have any thoughts on how you'd solve that problem? Actually, this might be a good way to, to burn the last couple minutes of this cast. Is yeah, um, that's interesting. I don't know that I'd have a real way to to solve that problem offhand. Because um, uh, you you want the the players to be able to do. So, do something maybe maybe the answer is just they get kind of like they just exit the game right that, that's over for them that's like yeah not super great though especially because you're pay- paying for stuff at gen con right it's not like you just like jumped in um, yeah and typically you're gonna go in there with your group of friends what happens if your first death and your yeah. friend goes all the way to the end sort of thing yeah yeah um but what, what, do, you, what do you have kind of ghosts to do then right like you um you set up like a back room or something where they can they can influence you know like they can oh, hit yeah, buttons yeah. or something like that that kind of replicates the sabotage effect in a way um, though it would be kind of uh, much to, to put together yeah yeah you, you you need you need a way for them to be able to like to, to interfere with with that kind of stuff in a way that wasn't super uh, it wasn't too powerful right like my, my, my thought would be like you know you can kind of like control like a fan or something and like blow on people when they're in danger or something but that's like that's like probably too powerful and also a bitch to set up um yeah i also feel like it just would have rampant cheaters you know you'd have teenagers who would go in there and just cheat in any way they, they possibly could. yeah yeah and so you have to be very stringent on how you give people options to interact when they're dead and others are alive yeah no I, I, absolutely um absolutely um yeah uh, that's the thing to maybe sit down and, and brainstorm a little bit more about um at some yeah. point uh, do you watch have you watched any like among us streams like nope. have uh, you been okay uh any is there any is there anything you want to highlight from 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 your stuff I, so i've been watching there? a lot of disguised toast because disguised Toast was obviously a hearthstone streamer for a really long time and then he moved away to tft so i stopped watching his shit um but then a couple of hearthstone streamers started streaming among us just like small among us games uh, and I found out that, like, Disguised Toast was, like, streaming these huge games. Now he's getting, like, number one trending on YouTube and shit like that, but, yeah. It was actually really interesting. He had a really, uh, he had a really big, do you know who XQC is? No, I don't. I think he's an Overwatch, he's, like, the number one Overwatch streamer or whatever. XQC takes the game incredibly competitively, uh, and there was, uh, there was a stream which was, like, you know, like Toast and a bunch of his sort of like normal friends, but then Jacksepticeye and PewDiePie came on. Um, and one of them left and they invited in XQC and XQC just like got incredibly like, I don't know. I guess I want to say shitty and throwing, I, I, I'm throwing shade, I guess a little bit here. Um, because in one game he was the imposter and Toast sussed him out. Right. Um, and he won, and Toast won the game. And then XQC came in at the end and was like, you made the wrong choice by voting me out. You know, like, that was the incorrect play, and he was trying to explain, like, the strategy or whatever. But Toast was like, it wasn't the incorrect play. I was fucking right. You were the imposter, right? <laughs> like, um, and then the, uh, and then the, the game immediately afterwards... Toast was sitting on XQC because he was like, I swear to God, if he's the imposter, he's going to kill me. If he's a crewmate, 
we can cl- we can clear each other, right? And I just want to like that'll be that'll be like an easy thing or whatever. And so they're running around together, um, and the first body gets called, and XQC immediately blames Toast, and it's like. I was on you the whole time. And you can tell that it's clear just because he's like super fucking salty from the, the previous round, uh, which was just like, yeah, it was, uh, it was drams. <laughs> it sounds like good content. If like, it is honestly like pretty good content. Uh, it's been like my, you know, the funny thing is, is that like you only get clips or whatever, right? It's something that Toast talks about because I've watched like the streams that the YouTube videos come from. Something that he talks about is how he wants to give everyone YouTube content, right? So there are some games where he sort of throws in a way because he's like, you know, like his friend Pokimane or Lily Pichu or whatever. He's like, I want to give them content. Like they should get highlights from this. They should get YouTube videos from this kind of thing. Uh, and people talk about not wanting to be in like the Toast YouTube thumbnail. Um, like there was one game where Jack Septicai, it was a 50-50 between Toast and another guy. And Jack clicked the other guy because he didn't want to be a YouTube thumbnail for one of Toast's videos by like being like, ah, ha, ha, I, I fooled, you know, like I fooled you kind of thing. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I do like the big brain, the like the big brain, you know, uh, uh, detective work is something that I really like can get into. There, there were a couple of rounds that I won because I would like catch people faking tasks or something along those lines. Um, and those are always like really satisfying wins when you can just be like, ah, I got you. I see you. Um, and toast and toast, uh, d- I don't know, provides a certain amount of that, I guess. So, so it occurs to me that like, um, like, you know, if you're being like shitty and you're, if you're being multi- very drams, like even if you're not playing all that's still entertaining content. Um, and I feel kind of bad because the immediate thing I, I thought was, is I want to see a sky house among us game. Um, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is drams. <laughs> oh God. Uh, but uh, that might be a good place to leave it unless you want to talk about anything else. Yep. So that's Among Us. It is the it is this fucking sensation, I guess. Uh, yeah, um, of the moment at least. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it was Fall Guys. Now it's Among Us. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wonder what other bean-shaped uh, uh, game will be the Definitely next Definitely Gone Viral. Oof. That's the next one. Or Spinch, I guess. Yeah. Uh, huh. Well, speaking of Gone Viral... Um, this week I played Hades, which is not gone viral, but is actually very similar. Um, and kind but of it's a roguelike, of, yes. Yes, it was. It's an action roguelike with kind of a lot oh, of, um, sure. a lot of the same kind of like, like it is, they are, they are closer in genre than like just roguelike with Belai, right? Like, um, in a way that I find super fascinating because, uh, rogue, uh, Hades is by Supergiant, um, makers of, my top game of all time, Bastion. And Hades, I think, is, like, a really good heir to that throne. Um, Because mm-hmm. um, it has kind of, like... like I like Transistor. I like Pyre. Um, but I don't think that they... They didn't hit me in the same way that, that uh, Bastion did. And Hades really does. Um, part of that is kind of, like, the elegance... Or, like, the, the kind of way that, like the boons kind of like define your build in a way that I think that like, I think that gone viral doesn't quite hit those same highs. Cause the, the, the mutations in gone viral are all random, right? Like there's like a couple of choices in, in the, uh, in the trove rooms. Um, and I think that that's fine for, for what it is. Like, I think part of one way to, to make it a really effective roguelike 
is having the builds be completely random and having to work with that in a way, um, which is kind of the the gun viral gun viral way, and that leads itself to kind of like weird streakiness in some ways. Um, um, but in Hades, the the boons you get are mostly random, but like each god that you can get a boon from, it's a subset. And so you can target those in the places where you get choices and you can and you can kind of like push for builds. Um you you're not always guaranteed them, right? It's not like uh Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but that makes sense. That's something I think about a lot in Gun Viral. Um because I've played a lot of it, obviously. Um I think in terms of builds and what kind of builds I'm going for. Uh, pretty often I'm thinking about like, do I want to go an attack speed build? Do I want to go spike strike? Do I want to go, you know, um, a, a ranged build? Are we going bubble wand? Are we going, you know, um, I don't know. I, I just think that there are a lot of interesting sort of like ways to go with, with kind of builds and gone viral, but you do have less opportunity. I think gone viral, my thing with gone viral, I think is that it showers you in mutations comparatively. Um, but it, uh, but it doesn't give you as much choice because when I compare it to like, so for instance, the roguelike experience of um, Hearthstone, uh, when I was, do- when I was doing lots of those dungeon runs, um, you only get four treasures, two of each two card treasures and two passive treasures that apply just like at the beginning of your game, all of your cards do X thing differently or whatever, um, which is a very low amount of things, but you have high amount of choice in that, right? Because it's, you get, you, you get them at specific points. You get one of three sort of thing. Um, in gone viral, you get a lot of mutations that just drop, you know, or it's like an arena reward. Um, and your only real choice with some of those is like, do I pick it up or not? Um, in general, I think the answer is, yeah, you want to, you want to pick that kind of thing up. Uh, but it does, uh, it does sort of get away from being able to like craft a really, really like solid, strong kind of build, uh, to get into the, to get into the late game with. Yeah. And, and like I said, I think that that's fine, right? Like so part of, part of Roblox is dealing with the hand you're dealt. Um, I also, yeah. something I, oh, I, no, absolutely. I, I really like about gone viral in comparison to say, enter the gungeon is that like. They're almost always useful, right? Like, Enter the Gungeon, you, like, pick up a lot of guns, but, like, using more than two of them is kind of hard. Um, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and so, like, it's, it's like, even though you can get all this cool stuff, it's, like, the, the guns just aren't, which is supposed to be kind of, like, the premier part of the game is the wacky guns. It's just, like, at a certain point, it's not nearly as valuable. Um, and it, it leads to kind of, like, decision-making in weird ways, right? Like, you know, what you spend your keys on and whatnot. Um um, it's also a lot, like gone viral. Like not only does it shower you with them, but like it's also I think it's it's a little bit easier to access everything on a stage than uh, say Enter the Gungeon. Um, the, the other thing that puts sets Hades apart a, a, a bit is like there's no like floor. Like you all like there is no concept of like opting to clear the floor versus just like beeline to the boss. You only go through like a I, like you have choices at certain points that indicate. Um, or that, that kind of like, like you choose one of two rooms or occasionally like one of three rooms and you've got some choices there, but it's not like you can go back and then take the other route, route if you wanted to, um, which is an interesting way to play it. I think, I think it works pretty much as well. Um, uh, that's actually an inter- interesting uh, experiment. When you play, do you play a lot of other like 
I'm going to call them like more kind of like classic roguelikes, like ones that are closer to state rogue. No, um, see, I haven't played um, I haven't played any of those sorts of things. I've played a lot of roguelike, like Dungeon Run, right? Like roguelike modes in other games. Um, I would I would actually argue that a lot of strategy games kind of look like this in a certain sort of sense, um, in terms of the the you know, like the runs being the core gameplay sort of underlying it. But I have never, I like, I, I don't think I would have played what a like hardcore roguelike person, like they would probably say that I'm playing a bunch of road lights, not likes, yeah. and they would be like shitty about it. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no. I, I, so actually this is, this is an interesting, this is an interesting thing. I know we had a, we had a whole cast about this at some point, but um, friend of the cast X was, we were talking, uh, talking about Hades and um, he said, he said like, that basically like hardcore looters like Diablo 3 or Path of Exile were basically roguelikes. And I was like, my gut was like, no, that is absolutely not true. There's something no, yeah, that's a, I mean, maybe if you play it, no, that's no, 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 no. What am I saying? No, it is not true. That's not true at all. Um, I mean, there's a point, right? Because when you're playing hardcore, it's permadeath, right? But yeah, like, so when you're playing hardcore, it's permadeath. And maybe you could make an argument that like drops, like loot drops are the sort of like progression or whatever. Uh, but you just have too much control over your class and your abilities builds, and your yeah. whatever. Yeah. No, no. So uh, I, I absolutely yeah. agree with you, right? But like like this this is like ends up as like one of these kind of like they're, they're called alignment charts, even though they're not quite alignment, but it's like, you know, purist neutral anarchist on like two different oh axes. yeah 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 it is funny because like i would call like dungeon run a roguelike mode right or like torghast in in shadowlands is like a, a roguelike mode you have floors the, the rooms are randomized or whatever you pick up a currency and every once in a while you can spend that currency for like one of two or three random like upgrades or whatever um in order to kind of like create builds of your class that does not seem like a i would not say wow is now a roguelike nor would I say if you were to take Torghast out of WoW and, like, present it as its own game, would I say that that is a, a roguelike game. That is a, like, roguelike game mode inside of World of Warcraft um, in the same way that, like, Dungeon Run is a roguelike guild mode inside of Hearthstone. Um, and that's, like, a that's a very different sort of set of parameters, right? Yeah, okay. I, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I buy that. I buy that. Um but yeah, um, just to kind of bring it back, Hades is so part of the thing I think that's great about Hades too, and, and, and this is I think kind of like the super giant special sauce is that like the story is actually pretty compelling, and you like have this weird almost like almost like uh, you know persona social link system with the different characters in the game, which is something that uh -huh. seems like it's even like just like you know to be fair would be beyond the scope of something like Gone Viral, um, and you know. Uh, and and so like I just think it's 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 a really masterfully done game, and I I highly recommend it, um, uh, you know, to anybody. It could, so it just came out of early access and, and hit 1.0, which is why I jumped into it. Um, and uh, I don't know, I think it, it's like their combat's really smooth too. Uh, uh, just because like they, like apparently they like like the Bastion combat's like really good, and the Hades combat is also really good. Um, and uh, it, it, it plays a little bit differently than your traditional roguelike, right? Like most most roguelikes, you have like a huge emphasis on like never getting hit, right? Like you're you're basically playing like getting hit is like, you know, it's kind of like a mess up meter. Whereas like the, yeah. the life bar in Hades is a little bit more fluid. Um, but you know, it's uh, it's all that's uh, interesting. Yeah, I've always thought about that as a uh, that that's something that I find like very interesting and compelling. So for instance, um. 
in gone viral, it is definitely a mess up meter, right? You yeah. have a certain number of mess ups that you can take and you, your health is like, you know, you can take it all the way through the, like you can take it all the way through the game basically. Um, and so like, if you are good, you don't lose health. If you're bad, you do lose health. It, it reminds me a lot of doom in that sense. Um, where like, you know, cause a lot of the stuff that's coming at you are projectiles that you can dodge. You aren't taking unavoidable damage basically. Um, but then I do think about places where, like, there is avoidable damage in other sorts of games, right? Like, so, for instance, um, like Diablo, you know, will have unavoidable damage. But the expectation is that you have you have enough life seal, you have enough defensives, you have enough health regen or whatever. That, like, even though those things are going to hit you, you can just kind of, like, passively keep up with it. And you have certain abilities, right? Like, you might have defensive cooldowns that you can use if you're taking a particularly large spike of damage, right? You have your potion or whatever else, right? Um, but like your health bar is a more is a much more fluid meter um, than just a you suck because you got hit meter. Does that make sense? Yeah. No. I, I, I absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, but uh, what's been up with uh, your week? I guess. Uh. Well, listen. I'm playing a lot of World of Warcraft. Mm. I've just like I don't know why. I'm just like. It feels like any other game. I'm just like, man, yeah, I could be fucking playing WoW right now. Uh, <laughs> um, so much so that I've actually been leveling a character in true roguelike faction that will be permadeath in like two or three weeks. Uh, I've basically almost leveled the character to Bax on the PTR, the public test realm, um, just because the new leveling changes in Shadowlands are pretty sweet. Because one of the things you can do in Shadowlands is there are, you know, like there are however many number of expansions, right? Well, at level... 10 you can just choose one and you go all right i'm gonna level through warlords of draenor and you go to warlords of draenor at level 10 and from 10 to 50 you're leveling through like the warlords of draenor content which honestly just like feels really good um the current version is closer to that than so for a long time wow was just static right you know, when you out-leveled a zone, you went to the new zone, then you went to the new zone after that, then you went to the zone after that, then finally, you know, you were you were kind of like max level, right? Um, and then in, in uh, Battle for Azeroth, they changed it so that, like, the, the zones were fluid with your level. So if you wanted to, right, you could do um, 1 to 60 in the base, you know, Kalimdor in the Eastern Kingdoms, right? Uh, but then you'd still have to 60 to 80, you go to Burden Crusade, you go to Northrend, um, uh, 80 to 90, you go to Mist of Pandaria, you go to Cataclysm, you go to Warlords, you go to Dr Legion, or whatever else. So, like, and it, it got to a point where, you know, 80 to 90 is one Mists of Pandaria zone, or whatever. And, like, that's cool, I guess. It is actually better than what it had used to be. In Legion, you basically did your one you did a couple of quests in the one Pandaria zone, then you did the intro quest in the next one, then you did the intro next in the next one, and then you were out, basically, right? Um, but now, I just really like the idea that I'm going to sit in a, you know, like, I'm going to sit in a zone and play through the, not just the zone itself, but also the other zones in that expansion. Um, and so I can go through Frostfire Ridge, ta like, Talador, uh, into Nagrand or whatever, Um if I'm doing that, like Warlords of Draenor, uh, I could go Jade Forest into Krasrang Wilds, into the Dread Wastes in Mists of Pandaria, that kind of thing. And they're all sort of in parallel with one another. Um, my thing has actually sort of been that there's kind of like a little bit of uh, like RP attached to it, where it's like, look, if I'm going to play a Magar Orc, I'm going to 
level that character in warlords because like by the lore of the game that's where those orcs come from um or if i'm gonna play you know like if i'm gonna play a pandaren or a monk maybe i'd, I'd want to do that in mr pandaria if i'm gonna play you know a blood elf i might want to do that in outland that kind of thing um i don't know it's just like fun it's just like fun to to like level in that way the, also because of the level squish and the way that they've changed it now every single level you get a thing which always feels great um it's kind of like a talent points sort of feel in vanilla uh, or in classic rather um which i've talked about a little bit in uh like when, when i was talking about classic wow like one of the things that feels great about classic wow is that you level up and you get a talent point and you invest that talent point and even if that talent point doesn't actually do much right one percent crit or whatever else um it feels like that progress. just like yeah that yeah it feels like it feels like progress well now basically what they do is um so like level one through ten you get very core base abilities of the game uh, then you start picking up some of your additional, like maybe you're picking up utilities, maybe you're picking up cooldowns, but then you know how they used to be ranks in like classic where like you would get rank one frostbolt, rank two frostbolt, rank three frostbolt kind of thing. So the new thing is that there are those ranks, but they add additional functionality. So okay. for instance, at level 12 or whatever, as a fury warrior, I get raging blow, right? You hit a guy with your two weapons, you generate 12 rage. Then at level whatever 27 raging blow has a 20 percent chance to reset its own cooldown so you could raging blow into raging blow 20 percent of the time kind of thing um then at level 30 whatever raging blow gets a second charge so you now have two charges of raging blow sort of thing and they and and all of your moves are doing this where they're kind of slowly but surely up upgrading over time right execute starts out it costs 20 rage but it does a bunch of damage and has a five second cooldown but then the cooldown goes away or the rage it goes from uh, costing rage to generating rage or, you know, whatever it is that kind of like makes your class function in, in that particular instance. Um, and I just think that that stuff is like fucking neat, I guess. So, uh, did, did they add abilities to the, like, did they just like take all the unstate abilities and divide them up or did they, they refactor it significantly so that, uh so Shadowlands has included what they call the unpruning um something that happened between so okay so for a long time in wild's history it was you got new shit every expansion right right in burning crusade you get this that and the other thing in wrath of lich king you get this that and the other thing in cataclysm you get this that and the other thing by the by the pinnacle of cataclysm the system was too complex they had too much shit going on they were giving people um dead abilities basically like they were giving people abilities that uh like the famous one is dark simulacrum which i think is a it's like a death knight ability where it's like the next spell that gets cast on you you can cast it back or whatever it like holds it but then they exempted like so many spells out of the list because like you know it's it just hard breakable. to yeah it's it's like and yeah. so and and they were kind of like listen we got to like tune this back so basically mists warlords legion bfa they did a lot of unpruning or a lot of pruning is what they called where they would cut abilities out and kind of really bring a, a class to sort of it's like core conceits right um the shadowlands has brought back what they call the unpruning um mostly because they don't want they want there to be a difference between class ability and like or class identity and spec identity so for instance right now if you want to play poisons on your rogue you need to play assassination assassination rogues do poisons that's it um in shadowlands all rogues have poisons again uh it's like a base ability that like those rogues will sort of like share 
um, rather than just like the assassin. Like assassination is very poison focused, and it is best at poisons. But we all can do poisons if we're if we're rogues now. Um, and so there's a lot of abilities that are coming back that that sort of like look like that. So for instance, as a tank, or I'm sorry, as a warrior, um, on arms and on fury, I'm picking up my, some of those tank abilities, like ignore pain, which lets you turn rage into a shield. Um, or as protection, I'm picking up execute, right? So if I'm a if I'm a tank and I'm not tanking the boss and we're in execute phase, I can be adding my own executes to my damage, that kind of thing. Um, so there's some of that stuff, but otherwise they are taking what is m like max level functionality and sort of stripping away its component parts, um, which I thought would actually feel kind of shitty to be honest with you, uh, but has ended up just being feeling feeling okay over time um it's like one of those things where like at max level the way raging blow works is the way that i sort of described it right where um you know you it has a 20 percent chance of resetting itself it generates 12 rage it has two charges uh it's cooldown is reduced by haste or whatever and they took each of those component pieces sliced them up and put them like staggered them throughout sort of the tree so my level 10 my level 12 whatever fury warrior he picks up raging blow but it is a much different ability and that ability upgrades over time okay yeah that, that, that makes perfect sense it sounds it sounds sounds like a lot of fun it um, is a lot of fun um the only other big thing i did with my week is i went and i saw tenet um have oof did have, have are theaters open by you at all Theaters are not open by me. Okay. Uh, Drive-thrus are open by me, but I have heard a lot of bad things about drive-thrus. Basically, people who own billboards are trying to use billboards as drive-thrus, apparently. Drive-ins? And it is causing... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, sorry, drive-ins, not drive-thrus. Uh, drive-in theaters. Uh, they're trying to use billboards, like blank billboards, as drive-ins, and it is terrible. Uh, so I don't really know that I have a great way to go see Tenet. What did, what did, what did you think? I thought it was okay. Uh... I, I know basically nothing about that movie. So, so the, the way I will put this is, uh, your movie sucks. Put up a poll on Twitter. It's like, is Tenet a five out of ten or a six out of ten? And I responded five out of ten. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, I like I didn't think it was bad. I thought it was better than Inception, but I also very classically don't like Inception. So uh, take that for what you what you will. Um, I think that this is maybe the most Nolan of the Nolan films, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, I think that, like, so I, I, I was I was thinking through this on a on a on a, on a hike. I was taking this because, like, it was a good way to kind of like exercise my thoughts about it. Um, it doesn't have a lot of the problems that I had with Inception. In that, like, I thought Inception wasn't very consistent within its own logic. I think Tenet has some of those problems, but, like, a lot of them are a little bit more nitpicky and things I'm willing to overlook. Um, I think a lot of the problems are things that can easily be attributed to the characters acting consistently, but, like, not with enough information, right? Like, like being human characters, which is, at that point, like, you know, that's, like, that's not a, that's not a problem. That's just kind of, like, you know, characters being characters, Um I, I so part of this too is is I think the other angle for this for me is that I think time travel movies are not usually as clever as they think they are. Um, like I think a lot of them just kind of like lean on the fact that they're complicated, or maybe it's not lean on it. Maybe they're like almost hamstrung by the fact that like it's kind of hard to wrap your mind around um, nonlinear time just, flow. Just, just to get a poll, what would you say are good time travel movies? Can you think of them off the top of your head? Uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Um, 
and and like that and maybe back to the future and 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 the reason i kind of point to these is because they're not like the time weirdness is all kind of like it's like the story is still presented pretty linearly right like um and it doesn't try and like muck around with like time flow too much it doesn't it's it's like the time like the time travel is an important plot aspect but it's not the thing that the plot revolves around if that makes mm, that's the, okay. that's the right way to what would it. you say the, the version of it is the thing that the plot revolves around what what would be an example of that primer um uh, primer is like a famous time time travel movie that everybody likes to rave about that i think is just kind of like like i i think the time travel thing is just like kind of poorly explained um okay um like because like when like when the time travel is the primary mechanic by which the action happens maybe is the way to put it um right what do you think about like the terminator movies um so i haven't watched like i think i only ever watched the first terminator and it's been a while um but uh like if i remember correct like when the time travel is like a thing that happens all the time in the movie right like it's like the mechanic by which the characters do things i think it has the i, I think it kind of like just kind of like gets hung up on that in a way um whereas in like like in back to the future right like there's like two t- two or three time jumps total right bill Ted's excellent adventure like there's a fair number of time jumps but it's not like they're using that to affect like they're not using that to like like they time travel somewhere and then they do stuff normally and then they time travel somewhere else right like it's kind of like a like a time elevator almost right like you arrive at the floor that is um the time period and you just kind of run through it rather than using it as like a way to like screw with things it it happens like once in bill and ted's but that's kind of like played for a laugh and it's a funny movie anyway so it's like it, it, it gets by yeah i it. i kind of feel like the those kinds of movies don't count in a way because like it never takes itself seriously so like yeah why would it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't really like you can get away with certain stuff yeah um you know i i i get that um uh yeah like hot tub time machine right um yeah 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 like i feel like hot tub time machine is never gonna be a real sort of time travel movie because yeah like we're functionally it is uh so a a science fiction time travel movie is maybe what i'm describing right like the, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. These other movies, like, time travel is part of it, but it's not like – or like a hard sci-fi time travel movie maybe is the, the right way to express it. Um, I haven't seen Looper, which is on the list. Um, no, yeah. Looper I would say is good. There's some that I think are good. I like – for instance, I mean this is this is maybe uh, contentious I because like, I like X-Men Days of Future Past. I think that's a pretty good time travel movie. Yeah. No. Um, so I agree with But for that. instance, I didn't like Endgame, which I would also say is a time travel movie. So, so the – Again, those two are like, um, like, uh, they so like the problems with Endgame I don't think are primarily with its time travelness, right? Like, there's like a couple of things that have like implications that maybe aren't so great out of Endgame, but like even in Days of Future Past, right? Like, there's like some link stuff which I think is neat, but like most of it's just kind of like you send Wolverine back to the past and Wolverine walks forward in time, right? Like. There's oh, not, I see what you're saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's okay, not as much manipulation sense. of the plot by the time travel mechanics. Um, yeah. Endgame, I guess, is different than that because it has a bunch of those. So that makes sense to me. Yeah. My, I mean, my my thing with Endgame is uh, – well, I, it's comp- – there, there, I have a bunch of things with Endgame. My core thing with Endgame is that is the sleight of hand that it pulls with Thanos, right? Um, 
where it pulls in an alternate reality Thanos and expects me to, it just doesn't, yeah, it it expects me to care. It it expects the, it it is trying, I call it sleight of hand because it is trying to swap one for the other, right? The Thanos that did the terrible shit to all of these people's lives in Infinity War is functionally gone, right? And the time travel that takes place in Avengers Endgame brings forward a new Thanos that has no, no interaction with any of the characters except for Gamora. It's like, I don't know, that's lame. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with that. Um, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think I see exactly what you mean, though. Oh, last one. What do you think about like Groundhog Day, like time loop movies? Ah, um, I so Groundhog Day is fun. What well, you know, it's a comedy, right? But it's also like because Bill Murray or because Bill Murray's character doesn't have any control over it, it just kind of happens, right? Um, I guess so. I think I think you're, I think even the serious time loop movie, which is um. What's it's the Tom Cruise one? Uh, what's what's it what's it called? Um, it's the one with it's the called Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow, right? Like, I really liked Edge of Tomorrow, and I think I think it must be that like you're not doing anything like weird with time, right? Like like effectively when you when you when you take like when you, when you use a time machine to like go to a point and advance forward through time. Um, kind of normally, and you don't try and fuck with that too much. I think it's, it's. I think you avoid a lot of these problems. I think when like you rely on the inherent weirdness of trying to deal with, say, paradoxes, right, like or whatever, yeah. um, it's going to, it's it's going to 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 kind of trip on itself um, a little too hard, right? Like or like trying to resolve it, like you know, the grandfather paradox. I think you can kind of get away with, but and like the paradox aspects of Tenet are not the problems that I had with it. Um, the problem, the aspects I had problem with paradoxes or with Tenet is like, there's a lot of like things running by themselves forwards and backwards in time. And they looked really cool, but like, because you had to spend so much brain power kind of result, like, you know, you basically like look at it and be like, Ooh, that's like, that's like weird. And then you think about it, it's like, Oh yes, that's the way it would work if this was actually happening. Kind of. It's like, ah, yes. And like, that's not like, I don't know. I find that like not super satisfying. Right, it's okay. kind of like. Um, also, I don't know. This might have been my theater in particular, but I thought the audio mix was was kind of bad. Like I couldn't hear things. Like it reminded me of the thing where people like couldn't. Under- I heard that people couldn't understand Bane in like the test screenings. It felt like mm-hmm. maybe that that happened here. Um, but like it was funny because like the actual kind of like nuts and bolts of the plot are like paper thin enough that like I could have like not read any of the speech that was happening and gotten like ninety five percent of it. Right, like it's like bad guy is doing bad thing, and hero must stop the bad guy doing the bad thing, and time bullshit is involved, right? And like a lot of that's like kind of apparent from just kind of what's happening. Um, there's also like I also don't want to give too much away, but I, I thought that like um, there were some other things that I thought weren't great. Um, but uh, uh, if you ever get to see it, we'll we'll talk about it more, I guess. Um, I don't I don't want to spoil anything. Uh, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything else that you want to talk about from your week before we end this out? Uh, I guess, I guess not, man. My week has been like super boring. I did watch, should I talk about, have I talked about Cobra Kai? No, you haven't. Talk about it. I watched the first season of Cobra Kai, which was insanely compelling. And honestly, we maybe could do like a whole episode on it. Um, I haven't watched season two, which is also, they both hit Netflix is the thing. Um, it was originally on YouTube premium, which is funny cause I have that, but I have that so that I don't have to watch ads and I can support my favorite YouTube creators without worrying about that shit. Um, 
but it got transferred over to Netflix and they like ordered a third season from Netflix. But it basically tells the, you know, it's like, it's not a retelling. It is a true sequel to like the Karate Kid story, but it takes the popular fan theory that like actually, uh, not Ralph Macchio. Ralph Macchio is the actor. Um, actually, uh, Danny, God, the fuck is his name? The, the, the character, yeah. I, I, yeah, the guy. Ralph Macchio's character, or whatever his fucking name is. His name is Danny something. Um, they, uh, the fan theory is basically like, it's it's not even a fan theory. It's just like one of those, like, actually, if you look at the plot from somebody else's perspective, it's, you know, the it, it, like, he's the bad guy. Danny is the bad guy kind of thing. Um, and it actually takes that sort of reading of the of the original movie pretty seriously, um, which is funny because I think that reading, reading is in pretty not, it just does not hold up. I remember, I had never seen The Karate Kid and I watched that reading of it or I saw like a video that like essentially explained that reading of it. And I was like, okay, well, let me like see how it, how it keeps up. And I just watched the whole movie and I was like, no, this does not like, track at all um but the show itself is actually pretty honest about that which i think is 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 compelling and the thing that i love about it that i think is like truly transcendently great is that it really nails the ambivalence that goes into like you know uh so the so the main character is really uh johnny johnny lawrence who is like the the main bad guy in the, villain, the karate yeah. kid he's the guy that gets hit by yeah the villain it's the guy he's the guy that gets kicked in the face with the crane kick or whatever um and uh and he is like simultaneously like resentful and he's full of regret for like that life but it also kind of like gave him like a real something that he needed, which in this case was sort of like a, a, a feeling kind of like empowerment or whatever. And it really does like kind of tell a story that doesn't, that, that is more morally complex than just like, you know, Mr. Miyagi good because of whatever Cobra Kai bad because of whatever. It's like, well actually no, like there are bullies in this high school and Cobra Kai gives the power to those who are bullied to stand up for themselves, right? And fight back against that. Um, and and kind of gives them that, like, self-confidence. Which, like, feels great, to be honest with you. Like, what an interesting way to sort of, like, take that story. But it is very, it is, like, very complex. Um, this takes place uh, years down the line, right? Yeah, this takes place in, like, modern day, right? Danny LaRusso is his name. Uh, so Danny LaRusso, so the, one of the things about the original Karate Kid is Johnny Lawrence is rich, is like the spoiled rich kid. Danny LaRusso is like, hey, he's from New Jersey, he's from Newark, actually. Um, and he comes, and he, you know, like, and he comes to the, to California or whatever and does all this shit. Uh, but like, they've kind of swapped places. Now Johnny Lawrence is sort of the down on his luck, like handyman who can't keep his temper, you know, and he keeps fucking up his life because he gets drunk and he yells at people he shouldn't sort of thing and danny danny larusso owns like a really successful car dealership or whatever um but they both are kind of like given moments of like they're good and they're bad they're just complicated uh it's a whole thing we maybe should actually like do a whole podcast on it uh i have i have not started the second episode because i started watching all these stupid among us videos uh <laughs> uh or the second the second season rather because i started watching all these stupid among us videos but you know it's what it is. All right. Well, um, yeah, I'll have to maybe I'll, maybe I'll try and check that out some then at some point soon. But uh, I think that's all we have time for. Um, uh, do you have 
anything or rather if you'd like to email us about what you think of any of the stuff we talked about on this episode you can reach us at some games gmail.com or or uh podcast at some games.com follow us on twitch.tv slash some play games um uh rate and review us on itunes uh donate to us on patreon if you feel like it we are putting out a couple of calls for uh people to participate in the podcast because so there are there are two issues um the one from my end is that uh Skill-based matchmaking is apparently a controversy in the Call of Duty community, and uh, I don't know why. It's like to me, it seems like a bunch of like um, people essentially whining that they can't pub stop people, which is interesting from kind of like the you know the, you know the we talk, talk stuff we talked about in league where people want to just like people say they want close games, but no, what they want to do is they want to win a close game um, or they want to pub stop someone. Um, and then the other, and so we're looking for someone who maybe can represent or put a good faith argument for why skill based matchmaking is bad in Call of Duty. Um, uh, and then on the other side, buddy, you've got a WoW topic you want to find somebody for? Yeah, so the WoW topic is uh, the Covenants of Shadowlands. These have been super hotly debated, uh, like called the Ripcord uh, in in the, the community at large. Um, I. I'm not a ripcord guy, uh, and none of the people I know are ripcord people uh, who are like playing BFA right now. But I'm really interested to have like a real discussion with someone who does feel uh, the opposite, you know, like who does feel like that opposite way, um, and kind of get down and dirty with what uh, I don't know with what that with what that ends up uh, looking like. So, what, what does ripcord mean? A, does that mean that people are like ripcording out the, of ri- the ripcord is so Shadowlands is currently in beta. The ripcord is a community term for pulling the ripcord to open a parachute. They want to pull the ripcord, which is to change the covenant system in such a way um, uh, that it solves their problem, essentially. Um, so it's tough to I, like. I could get into it, but obviously it's it's complicated, and I would have to un- explain all these underlying systems. So you know. Uh, suffice to say, I am not a ripcord person. I do not think the ripcord should be pulled. There are plenty of people who do think the ripcord should be pulled. If you are one of those people, fucking let us know. <laughs> We'd love to talk. Yeah. All right. Well, um, if that's uh, do you have do you have anything you want to promote before we get out of here? I do have one small thing to promote, uh, and that small thing is that Gone Viral, which we talked about on this podcast for quite a bit, uh, is entering early access for real uh, on September twenty fourth. So that is this. Thursday, uh, I can confirm that uh, it's fucking sweet and super awesome, and I'm very hyped for it. I can One of the nice things about that. entering, yeah. So the the basically the beta period was to get like the very underlying systems of the game in place, but we're now in a position where the um, you know like those that stuff is working right. Like the action, the combat loops of the game is all working appropriately, uh, and now we we're, we're looking to add content, so new bosses, new levels, new items, new characters. Uh, all that stuff is kind of coming with early access, uh, and there's a couple of like early access goodies that comes with it because uh, we're doing like a, one of those sort of like founders packs kind of uh, pieces of the puzzle. So yeah, that's gone viral. Buy it so that I can keep my job, please. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I guess with that, it's uh, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.